It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is CEO Jeff Clapper. Jeff has been owner and chief executive officer of Ethan Walton since 2013, who has its offices across the street from Walmart's home office in Bentonville, Arkansas. He helps consumer product companies succeed at Walmart and Sam's Club. Jeff attended Ohio Wesleyan University in Delaware, Ohio, where he studied economics, philosophy, and music. Jeff Clapper, welcome into the corner office. Thank you very much, Brent. Uh, great to have you here. And Jeff, we'd like to start with... Um, you know, a little bit about the uh, backstory. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your early years, where you grew up, and what was your family life like? Sure, certainly. So I, uh, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago on the northwest side, Park Ridge, and uh, uh, just outside of O'Hare, and uh, grew up uh, listening to my parents <laughs> talk about business. Um, my My grandparents actually started a magazine company in 1951, uh, it was actually the first crafting magazine. It was a consumer crafting magazine called called Paco Fun, um, and uh, and and they were you know my my grandfather was an engineer who just loved printing and and all things machine related. And my grandmother was a nurse, and uh, she had uh, a passion for working with Cub Scouts and building crafts out of scraps that you'd find around the house. And some friends said you should just put this into a something, a book, a magazine, whatever. And uh, they had the, the, you know, they kind of just put it all together, did a mailing to 100 names and had great success and they were off to the races. So they were sewing magazines together in the basement and eventually, you know, sort of baby boom hit, Cub, Cub Scouts exploded. And and uh, and so they had, you know, a couple million subscribers within 10 or 15 years and they were they were really up and rolling and uh, just a really neat success story. And then, uh, you know, 20 or 30 years later, my dad jumped in and built the business from there, acquired some more magazines and and then sometime after that, met my mom, and here I am, and grew up listening to the two of them talk about that business at the dinner table pretty much every night. <laughs> now, so, your, your grandparents uh, are interested yeah. in that story. Uh, did they start that when they were a young couple? Uh, yeah, so they would have been uh, probably 25, maybe 30 years old at the time, and uh, yeah. So the entrepreneurial uh, blood runs pretty thick, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it, it's always fascinating to to sort of identify people's lineage Absolutely. and how it impacts their own career choices. And yeah, sometimes we don't stray very far from what from our experience growing up. So I guess. dad kind of grew up with a business then with, with your grandparents That's and then right. took it over. Yeah. And then mom joined as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's a funny story too. He actually didn't. Uh, he, my, my, my parents uh, each had first marriages, and they were 
divorced, newly divorced, and just by coincidence, but he was interviewing, uh, they had a, a team of about a dozen editors and writers at the time, and uh, he interviewed my mom, and in fact, just after she finished all of their divorce proceedings, they'd never met before, but uh, you know, he wasn't actually interested in hiring her. He didn't think she was well enough qualified, and his chief editor said, no, I think she's pretty sharp, and, and so against his better judgment, uh, he, he was convinced, and, and for the very first time ever, he did a 90-day trial. Wow. With her that he, had, he had never done that in the history of the company, but he said, we'll give you a 90-day trial, and right at the end of uh, her 90-day trial period, uh, he had circulated a letter to all of the editors and writers. It was going to all their subscribers, and she made one note. No, everyone else in the whole team had reviewed it and, and left no marks, no corrections, anything. And she was the last one to get it, and she marked one thing. She said, this isn't incorrect, but you started the, the first and last paragraph with the same phrase. Stylistically, you might want to make a revision here. <laughs> And, uh, and he came back from lunch and walked down and said, you know, kind of walked past all the editors in a row. And he said, did you make this mark? And of course my mom thought, this is it. This is it. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm the only, <laughs> end of, end of my 90 day trial and I'm out. And, uh, and he said, nobody else pointed this out and you're absolutely right. Thank you very much. And, and sort of the rest there is history there. That's fantastic. Yeah. So any brothers or sisters, Jeff? Uh, yeah, so I am uh, the second to youngest. Oh my gosh! Six. Wow, big family. And uh, and some of that is that sort of yours, mine, and ours uh, relationship. My, my my parents each had first marriages. I've got an older brother and sister from my dad's first marriage, uh, middle brother and sister from my mom's first marriage, and then uh, my younger sister and I came along. Two, two, uh, and two. Years yours, later. mine, and ours. Then. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, and 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 in effect, the the end result is a kind of Brady Bunch esque, where you've got three boys right, and three girls, right. uh, but spanning twenty one years in total. So uh, it's a it's a nice uh, it, and and we all get along great and get together often. And uh, well, now we live in different places, but it's 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 a great family. Mom yeah. and dad went to college, or were they self made? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So um, my my dad went to Cornell and the U University of Illinois, and uh, my mom went to a small school in Western Illinois, Augustana College. Um, and you know, of an era where you were going to be a, a teacher or a nurse or uh, probably, I guess you would call it a secretary. And uh, she went into education, so she was an elementary school, uh, middle school English teacher for some years, and uh, that kind of set her up for that editorial writing position. She was writing sketches and plays and that kind of thing for for Pack of Fun early on. Um, my, my dad went to study computers. He was actually working in his family magazine business when he was in high school. He was programming punch card computers for the very first subscription system oh that they goodness. had. And, and he was, you know, that punk, like 15-year-old kid uh, writing into Univac and asking questions <laughs> that weren't even answered in their, in their first, you know, user manuals. And so out of college, they hired him. And uh, he worked in computers for some years and then came back and started working in the family magazine yeah. business. He must have had some exposure to the family business as he was growing up, I presume. And then oh, they yeah. encouraged oh, him yeah. to we've got, I mean, we've got, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, he was in that, uh, in thick in that, cause he was still in elementary school when they started it. Now, did you get involved in the family business as well growing up or any of your siblings? Yeah, of course. So, um, as I mean, I'd say probably in junior high, maybe even a little younger, I'd go and, they, they used to run their own subscription department within the company. Later on, they, they uh, outsourced that work. But uh, so I would go in when I had days off school and help count new subscription orders and all the, you know, just really important um, kind of clerical stuff that has to happen to manage all those subscribers. Um, later on, when I was old enough to drive, I'd go in on weekends and print out all the invoices that were sent to those subscribers. And yeah, there's always a job to be done. So uh, it's just a good sort of taste. Your of siblings also were involved. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say I think pretty much everybody has has at least once received a paycheck from from that business. Yeah, yeah. Who were some of the early influencers in your life? And it sounds like mom and dad obviously had a pretty big uh, influence on your you know entrepreneurial approach. But were there other folks? Maybe some of those older siblings or uncles or aunts that uh, you know had some direction for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, in fact, my uh, we've got two young kids, and uh, my son is named after my mom's dad, and uh, he was a big influence. Just uh, you know, he he his parents came to America from Germany, early twentieth century, and in fact, it was you know again sort of a uh, cultural era where families, if they couldn't provide for their kids, it was not uncommon to leave their kids at an orphanage. So my my grandfather and his two sisters were left by their parents at an orphanage in Chicago. And uh, and when he was old enough, uh, he kind of kind of left that space and started earning an income um, uh, working on buildings in Chicago and, uh, uh, you know, just important labor work that needed to be done. And uh, and then he went and, and kind of helped provide for his sisters, got them out of the orphanage and it was always just very important to work hard and take care of his family. So, um, humble, humble beginnings, but just good, earnest, hardworking people. And, uh, and I think, you know, he was always just close to the family and taking, you know, prioritized taking care of his family. So a big influence there for sure. Tell us a little bit about your school life. Were you a good student, Jeff? Yes, if my kids are listening to this at some point in the future, I just I'm just going to say yes right here and now. Uh, now I I would say I mean I I, I would say yes, uh, but especially in the subjects that I was very interested in, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, generally math, science, and okay. music yeah. kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, I was I was a pretty big math nerd and uh, science nerd through high school. Tested out of a lot of college math and science. And music goes right along with that, doesn't it? Uh, you know, there is a lot of overlap. Yeah, there certainly is a lot of overlap. So were you involved in, in some musical um, endeavors as well, like members of the band or or played in some concertos? But what, what was your, yeah, what was your of instrument yeah, of choice? Of uh, I started uh, started with violin early on and then teacher moved away. So I was about three when I did that, but only for about a year. And then uh, when I was five, started taking piano lessons and later added uh, trombone and then guitar uh, do a lot of singing in college. And so high school was a lot of, uh, instrumental stuff. And then in college, kind of more into vocal stuff. And after college got to sing in some operas in Chicago. And so, yeah, just, uh, and in college, it's just sort of became, I was doing so many different ensembles and I think I needed to take two or three more classes and they'd give me a minor. So <laughs> it's always been, it's always been a fun, uh, fun sort of outlet for me. Sports as well. Was that part of your forte growing up or? Uh, some swimming and uh, just a lot of kind of pickup sports with friends, but uh, not a ton of formal sports experience. Um, and my wife and I argue about the lack of coordination that we sometimes see in our families and who's responsible <laughs> for the that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. How do we trace this? But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's stuff I enjoy, but uh, uh, don't always give it the, the time I would like to. Got it. Any other extracurriculars during school years, middle school, high school? Uh, being with friends, music stuff. I was active in church uh, all throughout uh, growing up. And and in fact, when we get back to Chicago, pretty much every time we were just there a couple of weeks ago and got to visit uh, the friends that I've known since I was five from church. So uh, yeah, it's always been an active uh, kind of important. Yeah. yeah. What church did you grow up in? 
so this was a UCC, uh, United Church of Christ, kind of non-denominational church. And uh, now here in Bentonville, we uh, were members at the First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. Great, great, great uh, spiritual community there, I presume, given the, the deep yeah, south there, there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and, and I think you're absolutely right. That's something uh, most people would assume here. And uh, and so it's there, there's always a little bit of, um, I don't know, Goldilocks kind of, what are we looking for and how do you how do you find that? And there's always, this one's too hot, this one's too cold, but you can hopefully lock in because you do have a lot of choice here. And um, what about entrepreneurial things? Uh, it sounds like you obviously spent some time in the family business, but were there other things that you did? You know, the paper route, uh, selling Christmas cards. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I, well, I had, uh, you know, friends. Uh, we were all kind of math, science, technology nerds growing up. And uh, uh, so got involved in some different businesses with friends. Um, uh, you know, honestly, more in sort of support roles where they had neat ideas and then I'd plug in and help them in different ways. I had a, a early on, I had a friend who uh, went out and invested in a CD burner, which today ah, it's like, we don't even right, use CDs anymore, right. but, but for, for, for five years, 10 years, that was, especially the first few years, that was really uh, cutting edge and neat technology. And so we were helping, you know, burn CDs for friends and things like that. Uh, later on, I had some friends and, and I jumped in and helped with a lot of the, the uh, sort of finance and marketing on a file storage business, which today would probably be most similar to like a Dropbox kind of enterprise. Uh, you know, and there were, it was a subscription model. People were paying five or $10 a month for different amounts of storage space and a really nice interface that these guys were more on the technology side. I understood the technology, but I wasn't the creator of it like they were. So I uh, got to get, you know, kind of help build that up and uh, sell, sell that a couple of years later. And so, yeah, some different sort of garage enterprises, I guess, if you will. Yeah. It sounds like were those um, specifically targeted to fund, you know, college or were they all spending money or were you a big saver? You know, where, where <laughs> those uh, entrepreneurial funds go? Uh, yeah, that was, that was probably best described as fun spending <laughs> money. Uh, I wish I could, I wish I could give it, uh, you know, I, I wish I could give it something more glorious than that, <laughs> but I think it was just, it was, it was more fun than anything. And any jobs that you worked during school and college, uh, you know, that were paycheck related? Yeah. I mean, in, uh, in college, I mostly focused on internships. I, uh, for the first couple of years, I thought I wanted to go into finance and I did some, uh, a couple of years of internships with Merrill Lynch, um, in Columbus near uh, Ohio Wesleyan and then over the summer in Chicago uh, with one of their private wealth teams. And, um, uh, you know, I think one of the best parts about college learning and, and job learning at that point is you get to learn, if not as much, maybe more about what you don't want to do. And, uh, and so those were really good learning opportunities. I worked in some different marketing firms uh, later on as, as kind of an internship while I was still in school. Um, and and that was to a certain extent to uh, to pay bills and have some some spending money. But again, I was really I was really trying to just focus on learning uh, the business world and community and then you know sort of what are the different kinds of people you work with and meet and what are they like and what's the work look like and what do I really want to do here? So that was kind of not I wish I could say that was intentional, but that's uh, what those opportunities really provided. Well, you mentioned something that I think is so true, and so many young people think they've got to get in their career so fast. Frankly, I had the same sort of experience as an intern between, I think it was my junior and senior year. Thought I wanted to be a banker, got a great job with Bank of America, Silicon Valley, Apple, believe it or not, was private at the time and was one of their clients. Hated it. 
absolutely hated it and decided I'd never go into banking again. And, you know, I get a lot of CEOs that say, will you talk to my, you know, college age son? Because they won't listen to me. And, you know, I'm saying, well, you you have to, uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell them. And I tell them, go try something that you think you like, but uh, get some experience with it because there's nothing worse than getting into a long-term career with something that you don't enjoy. And, you know, when you're younger, figuring out those things that you don't like is one of the, one of the key tasks. Sounds like you had a couple of those. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I, and you know, my dad kind of said the same thing. I remember sort of freshman high school orientation, they had all the different activities and clubs and sports and everything. And when we were talking about sports, he said, freshman year is a great time to just do all these different sports and see what you like. I feel like now I might have this wrong. Our kids are a little bit young for it, but I feel like more and more now it's, it's about like you get your kid in sports and that's going to be like you start at four or five years old and, you, and you're headed for the <laughs> yeah. majors and like you pick it early and you go all the way. And and I like the idea of I don't know what I want to do when I'm 14 or when I'm 25 or I mean, we can keep exploring and learning and growing. Kind of a foregone conclusion, Jeff, that you'd go to college. Uh, mom and dad obviously did older brothers and sisters as well. Yeah, pretty much. I think everybody in the family, um, I, I'd say so. Um, it, you know, it was, I, I grew up in a, in a family that emphasized education and always, you know, continue to learn and grow. And, uh, so, um, I don't, I don't, I, I certainly don't take for granted, um, that that was a part of the sort of the, the world I was growing up in. I'm really fortunate to have had that opportunity. And, uh, uh, and of course I, I probably look back with some regret that I didn't make even more of it, but yeah, certainly college was going to be a part of the plan. And your bio uh, states that you studied economics, philosophy, and music. Uh, How did you kind of make those choices as it relates to the majors that you uh, chose? Yeah, so I was was sort of joking about it earlier, but those were topics and subjects that I just found really interesting. And, uh, you know, I I love to pursue and, and work hard or work hardest at the uh, at the things that really interest me. So I think, um, you know, again, I was able to sort of spot those things uh, early enough on that I, you know, I didn't go into college with any particular major in mind. Um, but, you know, just sampled different courses from different departments, a lot of, you know, one-on-one kind of stuff, and then said, that was really interesting and fun. Let's go deeper on that. Uh, so that's kind of how the economics and philosophy unfolded. And the music minor was, uh, like I said, well, music was just a big yeah, part of my yeah. experience and, you know, add a few classes and you got a minor. What was that first job out of college? Uh, I worked at an advertising agency uh, in Chicago and they, yeah, and uh, uh, it was a small boutique firm. Um, actually, let me, let me take that back a little bit. My very first job out of college yeah. was waiting tables. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, you know, a couple months out of school. I had, you know, did a couple of quick trips with friends and and then I said, I need to, I need to get the ball rolling and get going on something. And uh, and I, and just to kind of get the momentum, I said, I'm just going to wait tables. And I did that for about <laughs> a month and, and I said, I said, this was what I needed. And then I really started looking in earnest and, uh, and went to the want sure. ads when those still right. existed, I guess. And, uh, as, as you'd be familiar in your line of work. And, uh, and I said, I really want to do this on my own. My parents had a nice network, but I just wanted to proved to myself that I could go out and get a job. So I just went to the Chicago Tribune and combed through it and highlighted a bunch of things and, and applied for a job and got to work with a great group in Chicago that specialized in uh, boutique hotels and hospitality and uh, just a lot of neat opportunity out of that. But that was my first job. Did you have leadership responsibilities early on? 
not officially, but I probably did things that they weren't necessarily looking to have done. And they were like, oh, that's neat. Thank you. So, <laughs> any, yeah. any lessons yeah. <laughs> learned from like former bosses and mentors? Good and bad, you know, kind of like the experience we've talked about doing jobs that you had. I, I know that some of the lessons I've taken over the years has been, you know, behavior that I would never replicate. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. It, it sort of ties into that internship conversation we were just having. Yeah. What are some things that you don't want to do? Um, yeah. I, let's see. Good Good and bad. Um, I had one uh, in, in one of my internships. I worked with someone who was, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of the sort of, I guess you'd describe it as grunt work like you might expect from an internship. And, uh, and, and we had big clients and one of those big clients came in for a visit and I had, I had done a lot of work to prepare for that presentation he was going to see. And, uh, and there was, and almost intentionally kind of turned his back to me and did not introduce me to the client. And it was like, wow, that was really sort of demotivating and demoralizing and, and yeah, maybe just rude, I guess. So, uh, so really just, a, a, that was a big lesson in just respecting the people and, and showing gratitude toward the people that you work with. Uh, you know, you don't have to be effusive, but just a simple acknowledgement and thank you, I think, can go a long way. Um, and then in, in contrast to that, some of the people I, I got to work with at the ad agency, um, it, they really invested in the team there and the people there day to day and and long term. And so I think, again, just um, showing a lot of respect and investment in the people you work with, it, it goes a long way, at least in my style of working with people. It meant a lot to me. Absolutely. And that customer service orientation, of course, also is very key. Do you remember the first time you started managing people, Jeff? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it would have been with the magazine business. So I, so I was at the ad agency for just a couple of years uh, and then went into working actually part-time at the magazine business and also part-time at the church I had grown up at. Um, and, uh, and so in the magazine business, um, working with working with different members of the team on different projects there and uh, and I was probably just too young to, to really take it on. My, 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 one of my parents, I probably, I think at one point described it as your feet were barely able to reach the pedals. So, um, yeah. And it was, it was kind of the, the sort of double whammy spot of you're the boss's son. And so you're, you know, there's all the tricky dynamic around that. Any lessons from those early management experiences? Oh man. A lot of things that I wouldn't do again. Those were important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think it was it, it was a lot of confidence building. Frankly, uh, things that I um, just getting second and third chances on these things and recognizing the longer game and and having more confidence that uh, uh, that the, that the things you're trying to work on with people will work out. Um, these are lessons I I don't know that I really grasped. Uh, as they were happening, but a lot of reflection, uh, you know, in, in years past that uh, past that time that I got to see those things and uh, sort of second time around, oh, that's how I should have done that. That's how I could have done that better. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't know if you want a specific example, but, uh, uh, you know, one time we were going to do a little restructure of, of one of the teams and, and I, <laughs> this is just, I, I still kick myself, but I talked to the person who was going to be the successor before I had to let go of the predecessor and, you know, and just why did I do that? That wasn't well thought out. That was not respectful or fair to, you know, just sort of those integrity respect things that really wish I could go back and do again, but you know, that's right. More well, chances. You know, and learning it the first time is what's important. How has your leadership uh, style evolved over time now that you've 
you know, made it to your own corner office or made your own corner office, obviously. Sure, in your entrepreneurial sure, sure, sure. Uh, you know, actually, one of the things that I've thought about a lot um, with kids who are four and five now, and they're really starting to become their own people. Uh, every day I'm reflecting on ways that parenting is overlapping into leadership and management and, and vice versa um, with the kids, giving them a, giving them a lot of space, but also reinforcing a clear boundary around them um, and, and being firm on that and, and just how much the kids need that. Uh, they need to feel like they're, you know, that there is leadership, there's a boundary around their sandbox um, but that they can do all kinds of great playing within that and, and, you know, follow the things that they're passionate about and learn about and play it, play with. So, uh, you know, just sort of how all that, that crossover has been really kind of fun to see and learn. Kind of playing to people's strengths. Is that business. kind of part of what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My, 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 I, I grew up for the first couple of years of, uh, my very early education, uh, went to a Montessori school and, uh, and they are, I think, big on sort of letting kids explore what they're most interested in. My wife would joke and say, that's why I'm so <laughs> weird. But, uh, <laughs> but I think, yeah, playing to strengths is really How, how do you decide if it's time to micromanage or when to stay out of someone's sandbox? Uh, it's, uh, it's such a good question. Um, you know, some some of the lessons I've I've gotten to learn just in the, in the last few years, I think, really speak to that question or the answer to it. Um, and some of it, it's it might be kind of a squishy answer, but sometimes you just know in your gut uh, when when a direction that someone is going isn't quite the right thing. And some of the time I've let them play that out, even if it means potentially not good things in, in, in big magnitude ways. Uh, and so... So, so now I've tried to listen to that more. If there's a part of my head that's still kind of nagging at me and saying, I don't think they're headed in the right direction and the consequence is not going to be small. Uh, I have to, I have to keep with it and I can't, you know, that's, yeah, that's right. So that's when, you know, when I start to kind of feel that in the, in the back of my mind, like that's not right, then I have to step in. And is your style predominantly, um, you know, kind of giving people the broad strategic stroke and letting them go off on their own? Or do you kind of work very closely in kind of a servant leadership standpoint? How would you kind of describe your dominant style? Yeah, I, you know, actually, just a few months ago, a friend of mine recommended um, the book mm-hmm. uh, Traction. And, and I don't know if, how familiar you are with it, but there's a really interesting compliment to pre- probably my own style in there, which is uh, to have someone who's kind of more of the integrator, sort of COO kind of role, who's really going to make sure week to week everything is on the rails, and then someone who's more sort of visionary. And and the book really deliberately acknowledges that um, kind of freeing yourself to be more on the on the forefront, visionary, and then having that complement, that integrator, uh, to kind of keep things clicking along each week. And so. Uh, so we're we're really kind of locking into that uh, in a lot of a lot of meaningful ways here now, and uh, and so I would say that that's still playing out. I'd love to have a, a, a you know have a, a new answer for you in another uh, year or two, but um, but I'd say that's that's kind of where I'd like to go. Let's talk a little bit about company culture, Jeff. Uh, you're five years into uh, Eighth and Walton. Congratulations! And um, how many employees today? Uh, 20, just over 20. All right, cool. So, you know, you're building a company culture. What are your thoughts about that? What, you know, how important is it and what do you do to, you know, kind of form the, the, the company culture you're hoping to have at 8th and Walton? Well, I, you know, this was, uh, another exercise, uh, 
really kind of recently started to to go through and i and I, i've just found it incredibly valuable and i've recommended it to a lot of friends uh in, in pretty short time and that was to it's a little bit more on the front of the values what we value here but uh, but the exercise was to think about the two, three, four people here who I really just think are amazing. And we've got a great team all around. But to think of those just total rock star people and and what it is uh, about them that makes them so wonderful to the business and to the team and to me and to our customers. And, and then sort of look at the patterns and really like line out, list out those attributes. Look for the patterns across all of those people and attributes. And then try to narrow that down to four or five, you know, kind of key values, uh, and that's kind of become the lens that that we look at to say is everybody who is here now, uh, sort of along the same alignment with those values, and and of course forward looking as we're hiring more people because yeah as we're growing the business, yeah same thing. Do, do the, does this candidate? That's kind of, you know, we we have a lot of deep subject matter expertise in what we do. Um, and but and 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 that's kind of I don't want to say it's the easy part, but I think that's the easier part to vet. The more, but 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 now we're getting a lot more intentional about do we have that values alignment as well because that's the long term. Would you share what those what those values are or what those foundational principles are? Sure. I mean, it's it's uh, integrity. Um, it's kind of just working hard. Um, it's being humble. Um, it's having fun. Uh, uh, I mean, that's it's probably who you'd find here in a nutshell: hardworking, happy, humble, uh, just for, and strong, ready to kind of keep keep. Sounds like a great place away. to work. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have we have a lot. <laughs> we have, thank you, thank you. No, we we have a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, sometimes bordering on uh, maybe too much fun, but it's a, <laughs> but it's but a really good it group. Mark Twain said, right? Find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. So it's, it's, yeah, it's true. I, I was, I was, uh, I was at the dentist just yesterday and, uh, and the woman that was, that I was working with said, you know, did you have to work over the holiday weekend? And, and I said, well, I, I did put in a bunch of time, but I, I really <laughs> yeah, honestly love what I, I do. Like so work. I did, yeah. Yeah, no. It what didn't. would you say is unusual or unique about your culture at Aiton Walton? I would say it's it's the fact that uh, the people here really care about each other uh, and care about the customers. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm big on engagement and uh, and and I'm and I'm and I try to, and I think maybe naturally, if I can say, uh, stay pretty tuned into that. I've been in jobs myself where I don't feel engaged. I've worked with people who don't seem engaged and I don't want that for them or for the customers or for the rest of the team. Um, and so, so, you know, we, I want the team here to feel invested in what we're doing. And if it ever starts to feel like that's not working with a particular person, you know, I, I just want to address it head on and find a solution either. What's it going to take to get reengaged? Although I think sometimes that can be a pretty steep uphill battle um, or, um, or let's find a, a good, you know, sort of mutual way to move, move to a new a new chapter. So um, I think because of that, you, you find people here who are very uh, engaged in what we're doing and committed to the endeavor and, uh, and, and just having a good what time. What do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in? Um, yeah, so I, I might have kind of jumped ahead on that one. But um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, we're in a space, it's a very specialized uh, knowledge set. And we, we, we get to recruit people who have come out of 
decades and in many cases at Walmart or Sam's Club or large suppliers who are here in town. Um, And so we, of course, have to make sure that they have that subject matter expertise in whatever it may be, supply chain, sales analytics, uh, category management, all the things that you need to be a really successful uh, supplier to presumably your company's biggest customer, Walmart or Sam's Club. Um, so have to have that sort of skill set depending on the role we're looking for. And more and, and, and now a little more recently, just to make sure we're really also aligned on uh, are you going to be a cultural fit, uh, you know, values-wise, um, and, uh, and I think that's going to be a, a really nice, it already is proving to be a really nice recipe for building a successful team here. Do you interview everyone that's uh, coming into the organization? I do. I do. And what are the, some of the things that you do in terms of your interview style? Uh, well, so before every one of those conversations, I just kind of think through again, uh, what's the, what's the role, uh, and, and most importantly for me, I'm looking for that culture values fit. Um, because there are others who are going to be much better suited to check their subject matter expertise. Um, and so that's really what I'm looking for. And I kind of just run through that in my head. What's the profile of the person who's going to be really a good fit for the company and, and a good fit in the role too? I mean, uh, you're going to want, in a finance role, you've got a little bit different personality profile uh, for success than you might have in a, you know, we do, we do a lot of content creation. So that's a different personality. If you had just five minutes to interview someone, what would you zero in on? You know, some of the same questions that you're asking here, just kind of try to, yeah, really try to figure out sort of what's their background, what makes them tick? Why do they, you know, why do they get out of bed in the morning? Um, uh, and I, and I want to make sure, you know, kind of back to that engagement conversation, I want to make sure that, that they have some level of understanding of what it is that, that gets them to jump out of bed in the morning, uh, as opposed to like hit the snooze three times and then show up eventually. Uh, that's important. Well, Jeff Clapper, you've been very generous with your time. We do have one last question for you. We ask all the CEOs and that's, you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone who has their eyes on their own corner office or like you, you know, wants to be an entrepreneur and set up their own company? Sure. Um, you know, it's a terrific question and, and I'm fortunate to people turn to, to me occasionally for, for advice on that. And, uh, uh, generally where I go with it is it, spot an industry or a business that that you have an interest in uh and 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 do a little bit of homework to to see what what sort of what are some successful businesses in that space already do some informational interviews with entrepreneurs or ceos in that space already um and see if you can work towards um work towards an, an involvement in that enterprise i think there's a lot of news and emphasis around, you know, starting a business in your garage, which when that succeeds, it's terrific. I, I, I had a startup in between selling the magazine business and moving here to Bentonville. I start, started a video game company in Chicago from scratch and we, and we eventually sold that. But once we got here, I met some people who had already started a successful business and I was able to jump in with them and eventually buy it from them. And, and the, so, so kind of turning into a long answer, but Find where there's momentum, find where there's a market, and build on that. I think that can go a long way fast. Well, Jeff, thank you once again. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.